Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Ross. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and you guys, we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. Welcome back to our series on Historic Missourians, a website hosted and curated by the State Historical Society of Missouri and geared towards students learning about Missouri history for the first time. We are joined today by Haley Frizzle Green. She holds a master's degree in library and information science from the University of Missouri, Columbia, and presently serves as an archivist for the State Historical Society of Missouri at its Springfield Research Center. She joins us today to talk about her upcoming biography in Historic Missourians on Ralph Foster, as well as the traveling exhibit Broadcasting the Ozarks, a history of Radio Ozark Enterprises, which is currently on display at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia until December 2023. Welcome to Our Missouri, Haley. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Now, let's talk a little bit about Ralph Foster and KWTO. So let's get to the basis of that and the origins of that. How did you find out information about KWTO, obviously it's it's a radio station, but also about Ralph Foster and his role in KWTO. Yeah, um, I relied on a lot of resources like newspapers, KWTO's The Dial newsletter, also books and articles written by Ozark scholars like Brooks Blevins, Dr. Catherine Ledbetter, historians, and even previous employees like Wayne Glenn. And then I also spent a lot of time at the Ralph Foster Museum um, at College of the Ozarks near Hollister, Missouri. Now, of those resources, I mean, that, that's that's a lot of people, a lot of information, a lot of valuable materials and all of that. Is there anything in the SHSMO collections that particularly were useful for you for studying about KWTO and, and Ralph Foster? Yeah, um, I mentioned the KWTO, the Dial publication. Um, so the State Historical Society, it's actually housed at the Arala Research Center, and we have a great collection of those newsletters. So um, I was able to use a lot of information from that. A little more on the dial, it was produced and published by KGBX and KWTO staff from the early 1940s to the 1950s. It included biographical sketches on staff and entertainers, as well as current events and updates with the station. And it also included some great images that I also used on the exhibit. We would often assume Ralph Foster connections to the Ozarks, perhaps from the Ozarks, but where did he actually grow up? Where did he spend a good chunk of his early life in? So although he was born in St. Joseph, Missouri, he actually spent a lot of his childhood in Washington, D.C. Uh, due to his father's job as a planetary meteorologist. The family moved to Washington, D.C. in 1902, and Ralph Foster ended up moving back to St. Joseph in 1914, where he worked as a salesman for the St. Joseph railway, light, heat, and power company. It's a mouthful. It was around 1924 that he went into business with Jerry Hall, starting the Foster Hall Firestone Tire Shop and later KGBX radio station, which KGBX was the first radio station that Foster started. Um, KWTO came later. So how does Ralph Foster then get from St. Joe to D.C. back to St. Joe, but then to the Ozarks, to Springfield? How, how does that transition happen for him? 
Well, Ralph Foster was always interested in the Ozarks. Uh, he spent a lot of time hunting, fishing, and floating in this area. And it just so happened that Springfield businessman Lester Cox was interested in bringing a radio station to Springfield because Springfield did not have one. And Jerry Hall, his his previous partner, had sold his stocks and left the business. And so now it was Ralph Foster and his brother-in-law, C. Arthur Johnson. They wanted to move to a city with less competition. So it was all timing and, of course, Ralph Foster's interest in um, the Ozarks environment. Um, so with the help of Lester Cox, the KGBX team moved down to Springfield and the Springfield Chamber of Commerce was so supportive of this idea that they actually let KGBX broadcast out of their building. Um, and then they would later move to a building on St. Louis Street right across from the Shrine Mosque. So in, in working not only on this historic Missourian's biography on, on Ralph Foster, but on this large exhibit broadcasting the Ozarks, what are some major moments in that history of KWTO and, and Radio Ozark that people may be familiar with or perhaps might be new information for some people? So I've mentioned KGBX quite a bit because, like I said, it was Foster's first radio station that started in St. Joseph. Um, but a major moment for Foster and his team was in 1933 when they purchased a radio station out of Grant City, Missouri, which at the time was called KGIZ. And they moved that station down to Springfield because of its larger signal strength. So they weren't able to get a signal upgrade for KGBX. So that's why they ended up purchasing another station. Um, they changed KGIZ's call letters to KWTO and adopted the slogan, Keep Watching the Ozarks. KWTO's first broadcast, which was a test broadcast, was on December 25th, 1933 at 3 a.m. Another significant moment would be the creation of Radio Ozark Enterprises, which was one of the first companies created under the umbrella of KWTO. Radio Ozark began in 1944 as a talent booking agency for KWTO entertainers. One of the first performances booked through Radio Ozark was in April of 1944, when Jim West and the Gamble Twins performed at a Red Cross Pie Supper in Ruble, Missouri. And then from there, Radio Ozark evolved into producing transcription records, um, also known as syndicated programming. So Radio Ozark would produce and transcribe radio shows, record them on a 16-inch phonograph record using KWTO entertainers like Bill Rings, Miley Burnett, and even Red Foley. And then they would send these records out to other stations across the United States and Canada and then those stations would broadcast to their listening area. And Radio Ozark eventually serviced over 1,200 stations. I brought my grandfather actually to see it because I thought he might be interested in it. Um, and he lived in, I think he lived kind of in central Illinois, where he grew up at in the, in the, in the 40s and the 50s. And he immediately latched on to Tennessee Ernie Ford. He's like, oh my God, my dad loved Tennessee Ernie Ford. Like this was something that was not just simply an Ozark thing or a Missouri thing. Like people... We're familiar with these individuals, not just because of their broad career, but really in connection with, in a lot of ways, Radio Ozark and, and KWTO. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because um, around 1952 is when Radio Ozark started producing the Tennessee Ernie Ford show, and it was a huge hit. And then in 1954, a broadcasting company out of Singapore actually ended up buying the show or, you know, recordings of the show. 
and broadcasted to their local area. So listeners in Singapore were also enjoying Tennessee Ernie Ford's country music melodies. That's amazing. And thinking about this, you know, you're now well-versed in KWTO Radio Ozark, and some people might be familiar with it, especially if they're from the Springfield area or, or know some of the names of these various entertainers who were there. But what's something that people may not know much about when it comes to this topic? What's something that might surprise them, perhaps? I think it's always interesting that the Ozark Jubilee was also connected to this entertainment empire, which, of course, many people know of Ozark Jubilee, but it was created out of Crossroads TV Productions, which was another one of those sister companies after Radio Ozark. Um, But what some people might not know was it was first broadcasted locally um, in 1953. And then in the summer of 1954, after Cy Simon convinced Red Foley to come host the show, ABC Network told them that they would pick up the show and produce it live coast to coast starting in January of 1955. Well, when January came around, Springfield still didn't have the appropriate hookups to broadcast to ABC. So every week, the Ozark Jubilee crew would drive up to Columbia, Missouri and film their show up in Columbia until April of 1955. Um, So a lot of people don't realize that the first few months of Ozark Jubilee wasn't actually filmed in Springfield. It was filmed in Columbia. It had to be so much work. (laughs) So much work. It definitely sounds like it. Now, I guess you could technically say Columbia could be the Ozarks, although that is up for debate, as as we've often discussed. (laughs) Um, In thinking about Ralph Foster, KWTO, Rio Ozark, um, you know, as you're you're developing this historic Missouri bio uh, for Ralph Foster, these are geared towards students, you know, learning about Missouri history for the first time. What do you want them to take away from this story, but also, you know, just the general viewer of the exhibit and of the biography about this story? What do you want them to take away from it? What's the legacy in a lot of ways for this? I think the legacy or the key point to take away would be to lean into your history and the resources around you. Uh, Ralph Foster and his team's mission was not only to promote local talent, but also to promote the Ozarks. And I think that's why it was so successful. They were invested in their community and their community was invested in them. Last point before we go here. And looking over everything and listening to different broadcasts and everything like that, your favorite performer that you came across? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I know we talked about Tennessee Ernie Ford, um, but I really enjoyed listening to his broadcast because of the intro where he's saying like, hey, pea pickers, get in this house or, you know, something like that. And so I think that's just a fun way to look back into history and to see like what people enjoyed the most, but also Radio Ozark, I think you had mentioned that your grandfather said that Radio Ozark produced shows, you know, across the United States and even outside the Ozarks. Well, they also produced a show called Strangest of All with Frank Edwards. Um, And Frank Edwards was an author and a news correspondent at one time. But his programs, which we have those as well, his programs are all about 
the strange and unusual, uh, mostly related to UFOs. And so that's always a very interesting one to listen to as well. I'm even more intrigued now. Uh, thank you very much, Haley, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.